It's Radiothon time again at 3CR, and in 2017, 3CR is Radio for Change. We're asking you to keep us on air for another year by donating to the station. 3CR Radio for Change, June the 5th to the 18th, call us on 039419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. Enjoy your podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM. And Palestine remembered with Yusuf Arimawi, Nasser Mashni, and Roberto Martinez. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause in English. And I uh, would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on the website 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, uh, Robert and Nasser. Morning, Yusuf. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Uh, I want to start by a big thank you to all our listeners who supported the show and supported 3CR again and again and again, like in every year uh, since 19 to, uh, since 2004, by donating and uh, joining the Radiothone. And um, it's been really great. We achieved our uh, target and we actually exceeded it. I think our uh, result was $2,900 and something. It's not too late. People can still donate to you. People can still donate, absolutely. And uh, for those who really picked up the phone and donated, um, a big thank you from all of us. You have done a great job. And we will continue uh, and with your support. So thanks again. Well, we wouldn't be here without that sort of support. Definitely. So that's just something that uh, should be mentioned many, many times. So thank you very much. We wouldn't be here without the support of the listeners and uh, 3CR. So... Um, and from here we move on. Uh, Nasser, I think uh, there is something we have from uh, the state of uh, South Australia. Yeah, yeah. So very excitedly. Um, so th- there's a, a fantastic group in South Australia, the Australian Friends of Palestine Association, AFOPA, uh, a wonderful group uh, membership organisation in South Australia and very committed uh, members and participants who have been working the um, uh, current state government, the Labor state government there. And a, a couple of weeks ago they got to the position where they had caucus support to put a motion forward with respect to recognition of the state of Palestine. Excellent. But um, heavy, heavy Zionist lobbying um, saw that motion not actually get tabled. There was um, uh, members were missing. Uh, there was, you know, uh, all sorts of tactics used by the to Zionist. Abort, uh... to not allow, not allow it to be read because, you know, uh, there's opportunities, scheduled times within parliaments for these things to happen. And, um the, you know where, where where people talk too long and not allow for time for um, private members' bills to come up, but uh, I'm very proud to say on Thursday, in fact, uh, a motion this motion was put up. So I'll just quickly read it out, and and it says that this house notes that the Australian government is committed to a two-state solution to the Israel-Palestine conflict, and that unless measures are taken, this option will vanish. B. It affirms that the continuation of settlement building is in violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention and various resolutions of the United Nations Security Council, the most recent being Resolution 2334 
that's in 2016, and constitutes a major obstacle to peace. And C believes that support for a two-state solution and for self-determination for both Israelis and Palestinians requires taking active measures by the international community. And finally, it calls on the Commonwealth government to recognise the state of Palestine, as we have recognised the state of Israel, and announce the conditions and timelines to achieve such recognition. That is brilliant. And um, I really want to thank the efforts uh, made by FOPA and other uh, Palestine advocacy groups uh, in Adelaide, here in Melbourne and across Australia, because things like this don't come on their own. They, you know, they, it requires months and years well, of, months of planning planings. and work. So well, um, all, uh, I, I, we're really proud of their work. And um, the things that you read, Nasser, about the Palestinian rights of self-determination and statehood, um, seems to be taken for granted. Uh, I mean, we, we're still asking and demanding the world, including Australia, to give us what should go unnoticed and what should go, what should be taken for granted. However, um, we're still fighting for sim- something so simple like this. It's absurd, yeah. Uh, we should just note, in fact, that when the first motion w- went up to be read, the, the Zionist pressure saw it uh, get knocked on the head. Now, AFOPA ran a really great campaign and had their members ring their local uh, members of parliament and say to them, I understand that this motion didn't get read, that it's going to be put back up for reading. I'm a constituent of yours. I want you to voice your support as I'm a constituent. And hundreds of calls were made to um, uh, local uh, members of parliament, state members of parliament from all different seats uh, across South Australia. And so the parliamentarians actually felt um, that the, the will of the people. And, and this is something, that, a lesson that we all need to uh, learn. So our listeners, when, when come election time, we need you to be calling your local members. But you shouldn't wait until election time when make a point of going and visiting your local member and saying, this is a cause that is dear to your heart. Where do you stand on Palestine-Israel? Where do you stand on the injustice of the blockade of Gaza? Where do you stand on the 7 million Palestinians' legitimate inalienable rights to return to their homes and their lands? Where do you stand on the ongoing occupation and slow uh, ethnic cleansing of East Jerusalem and the West Bank? Where do you stand on the Palestinian refugees in Lebanon? Where do you stand on Palestinian human rights and statehood? uh, Yes, I I, I second everything you said, Nasser. And uh, uh, Palestine is not uh, uh, an alien topic to our uh, life here in Australia because uh, the policies uh, of our gov- government towards uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict is not helping a peaceful resolution. Uh, on the contrary, it's helping the occupiers and it, and it is prolonging the uh, longevity of uh, or, or the duration of uh, occupation. Do, do you see this being a stepping point for the other states? Is, it, is this something that uh, will put it on the table on a more regular basis? Absolutely. A lot, lot, lot to learn. Lot, a lot to learn. I know every state has its own dynamic, mm-hmm. but there is uh, something to learn. Well, we have, uh, in the first instance, AFOPA is a very, very strong membership-led, uh, membership-driven uh, uh, advocacy group, uh, and it's very established in South Australia, and some very prominent members uh, of the judiciary, of uh, society, of civil society, academia, etc. So it's a very strong group, over and above which it's a, a Labor government, uh, as we know federally, but also on a state level, the Liberals are, are quite uh, easier bedfellows of Zionism, if you will. That being said, in Victoria, our um, 
Labour uh, Premier is is a devout uh, Zionist. You know, there's no chance of getting him. Um, I also want to relate to uh, the Labour, the ALP conference in 2015, yep. where Palestine, one of the five points, uh, strategic points that the Labour had to make a voting uh, on. Well, and identified the, that there are uh, issues to uh, their constituency. Yes, and um, the great work of uh, members, uh, of the MPs like Maria Van Vakino and uh, former minister uh, Bob Carr and others and other unionists in trying to change the position of the Labour Party from just too generic and supporting the two-state solution and that's it to uh, acknowledging occupation, including East Mm -hmm. Jerusalem, and to put a time frame of recognizing the state of Palestine if no peaceful outcome uh, uh, of negotiation happens. So a lot of things uh, that can be learned from that and from a uh, from Adelaide. So hopefully the momentum will continue. Fingers crossed. Well, here's the, here's the last paragraph of the 2015 ALP National Conference motion. If, however, there is no progress in the next round of peace process, a future Labour government will discuss joining like-minded nations who have already recognised Palestine and announcing the conditions and timelines for the Australian recognition of the Palestinian state with the objective of contributing to peace and security in the Middle East. Now, according to the polls, uh, Shorten is going to be our Prime Minister in 18 months or less, um, and there has been uh, failed negotiations for the past uh, two terms of a Liberal, Abbott and Turnbull. So these, I think the trigger has been met for him to recognise the state of Palestine in the first week of his uh, Prime Ministership. Indeed. Um, excellent news, Nasser and Robert. And uh, we will move. Um, let's make a move to another uh, topic. Uh, what else do we have? Well, one is. I think we need to speak about the um, Trump and the America's war on the United Nations. As we know, the United Nations is funded by its member states, mm. and it's funded as a, a percentage of GDP of each country. And what that means is the United States proportionate. Actually, uh, yeah, proportionate that's right. The United States. Uh, ends up contributing something of the order of 10%, around $2 billion annually. Can, can you just tell us, uh, to the layman person like myself, what the UN was designed to do and what it was created for? Um, the UN was uh, created after World War Two to try and prevent World War Three. Um, the most famous bodies of the United Nations is the Security Council, which is uh, imbalanced power because you have the five permanent members holding the veto right and then the rest of the world. But there is also the General Assembly where there is no veto power. However, we also need to give importance to UN bodies like the UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Work Agency, which is uh, which was uh, established in '51 dedicated to the Palestinians, to the Palestinian refugees, but also in '53 started the UNHCR and the UNESCO and the International Court of Justice. So all these UN bodies and UNICEF, the children, uh, and UNDP, so all these UN bodies uh, need to be supported by its uh, members. And like Nasser said, uh, the United States uh, is one of the major contributors. Well, 10%. Of the, 10%. Cl- close to $2 billion annually that they, they mm. send. And they're always late uh, in their payment. And it's a, a, a way for them to um, uh, leverage that economic power to, to decision-making. And, and blackmail. To, uh, to blackmail, yeah. yeah. So to give an example, where, where we are today, and it was in fact George W. Bush in his first uh, term as Prime, uh, President of the United States, they created what was called the Negroponte Doctrine. 
And Negroponte was um, the UN ambassador to the UN during uh, George Bush's first term. And he, he's declared policy that Washington will oppose any resolution that criticizes that criticizes Israel that does not also condemn Palestine and the Palestinians. So the, the, the concept that if Israel does something wrong and the UN wants to criticize Israel, it can do so, but the, in the last paragraph or the last sentence, it must also denounce Palestinians for whatever might 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 be called upon. And they wanted to legislate that, to make it uh, as part of their regulation. Well, this is why Australia said that um, that UN resolution uh, last year was uh, that they wouldn't have supported it because mm. it unfairly singled out Israel. Well, Israel occupies Palestine. Palestine doesn't occupy Israel. How you could uh, add Palestine to that um, to that resolution is unfathomable. But you know, certainly for Malcolm Turnbull, he was able to do it. There's, there are, uh, um, I mean, tens of examples we can we can give. I will just mention one. Um, in 2012, when uh, Palestine uh, became a full member uh, of the UNESCO. Uh, in response to the recognition of Palestine as a full member at the UNESCO, um, Israel and the United States stopped their funding. So uh, politicizing uh, non-political uh, decisions and pr- punishing the United Nations, not for uh, favoring the Palestinians or, or Israelis, but for trying to stop the injustice. And we know we, we know that the current uh, U.S. ambassador to United Nation, I uh, can't recall her name, is uh, Zionist and proud. Mm-hmm. She never hesitates in reiterating her views in her full support to uh, the state of Israel and that she is here not to represent America but to, yeah. co- to protect, according to her, Israel from the unjust and unfair U.N., yeah, so so that's Nikki Halley, and we want to speak specifically about her. Mm. And uh, you know, she yeah, gave a, she gave a very very strong uh, pro Israel um, uh, presentation at the APAC conference last year before yeah. before the the, the uh, election uh, before the elections. And she said, you know, she's where well, the new sheriff is in town. And one of one of her famous statements was, you know, when talking about um, calling a spade a spade, if you will. She says, "I wear heels." It's not for a fashion statement. It's because if I see, because uh, she wants to kick the UN. If I see something is wrong, we're going to kick him every single time. You know, just real cowboy mm. uh, bully tactics. And she recently visited, you know, Palestine on the way through. She went to um, uh, to the Hague and, and and visited Europe. And she was accompanied by Danny Danon, who's the uh, Israeli UN ambassador who lives in an illegal settlement in. Uh, in, in the West Bank, doesn't believe there should ever be a Palestinian Ideological state. settler. Ideological, yeah. This is uh, Judea and Samaria. There are no Palestinians. There will never be a Palestinian state. And this guy is the UN ambassador, and they talk about Palestinian incitement, yeah? Mm. Um, so she went on a tour with him, and so Washington's threatening to cut billions of dollars. Now, she called the UN Human Rights Council pathological in its focus upon uh, focus upon uh, Palestine Israel mm. and that the US would pull out if it didn't cease uh, acting in such a way now that sort of language from the most powerful country in the world protecting an occupying power and a, a country that they've you know committed Obama committed 40 billion US dollars to over the next 10 years in in arms and and uh, and aid that we're, we're <coughs> moving to the point where since the second world war th- th- this Rogue state is giving a getting a free pass, and with use of what you just said about um, the UN uh, being created to stop World War Three. In fact, it's almost 
Well, we're not at the situation where we're going to be creating it, but we're, we're certainly facilitating an ongoing conflict that could be, should be solved by the UN, which created the initial problem in the first place. Yes, exactly. And uh, to continue to turn blind eye to the rogue state of Israel and this level of intimidation, because they think, yes, they know that they are intimidating the world and they are intimidating the countries that uh, try to stand up against the injustices of Israel. They know that it is systematic intimidation, but they continue to do it and they, and they do it over and over again and they do it in higher levels, that, uh, something like, it's not just the media, it's the the U.S. ambassador, and sometimes we will see the, um, the the U.S. ambassador to Israel and maybe the foreign minister and the vice president and maybe Trump himself. Well, there's no wonder that Israel doesn't stop. I mean, why would it? Why would it? There's no reason for it to stop. No. Nothing at all. No. So, so, um, so the, where, where this is moving the war is, and it's Netanyahu's using the focus of, you know, Halley's uh, Zionism and Trump's, you know, ultimate deal, and he sent his son-in-law to, you know, negotiate. He's there now. He landed uh, on, on Wednesday or Thursday afternoon, I think. Um, and where he's focused now is on UNRWA. Yeah. And he, Netanyahu believes that UNRWA perpetuates rather than solves the problems. And he prefers that the UN uh, Human High Commissioner, excuse me, the, the, he wants the Palestinian refugees to move out of UNRWA and that they become the responsibility of the UN High Commissioner for refugee, Refugees. And the challenge with this is a monumental turn from 70 years ago. Post-World War II, the um, Israelis said, we don't want um, the UNHCR to look after Palestinians. Now, UNHCR, its job initially was to look after the refugees that came out of World War II, to look after displaced Jews. And it didn't want the Palestinians to be in the same body because then that would create a real issue. I mean, why are we finding homes for displaced Jews, and that's why, uh, but we're displacing Palestinians and not finding homes for them. So they created UNRWA. A Palestine-only UN body. Correct. So um, the, the UNRWA was a Palestine-only body because they didn't want to conflate the legitimate rights of you mm. know Jews to find homes and um, Europeans to find homes with these you know lousy Arabs that you know were occupying Jewish homes for the past 2,000 years. And we've seen the complications of the bureaucratic and administrative failure of UNRWA and lack of coordination between UNRWA and UNHCR and what it did to the um, second refugees, I would say the second wave of refugees from Syria and Iraq. And we can talk about that uh, later. But I agree, Nasser, that um, uh, to target uh, UNRWA is not only bankrupt, in terms of its fact uh, support, uh, fact supports, but it is part of the intimidation, and this is one of the only remaining UN body that provides. By the way, it doesn't provide political support. It was started uh, to just provide um, relief and work that would be education, medicine, and a little bit of employment, employment within the the, the UNRWA offices. And uh, Israel knows that very well. And Israel knows that there is no any single evidence that UNRWA is playing politics. But nevertheless, just because it is giving a little bit of relief, a little bit of humanitarian relief to the Palestinians, this itself is a reason why it should be targeted by the Zionists. Yeah. 
Um, we will continue after the break, uh, but uh, we will listen to another uh, song from Algeria. I know, Robert, you like uh, the Algerian song that day. Absolutely, I do. I love it. <laughs> let's let's get <laughs> no, it on. Get let's do it again. We'll listen to another song. It's called Bakhta, uh, uh, named after um, a beautiful Algerian woman, obviously, and by Shab Khalid. So stay with us. You're listening to Palestine Remembered on 855 AM. Stay with us. Listening to Palestine, remembered on 855 AM, and um, just another reminder that uh, the songs uh, on podcasts uh, don't make it uh, because 3CR has a policy of intellectual property and not uh, playing uh, songs. So people really should tune in live because this music is so cool. What would be better than tuning live? We should sing because then there will be no copyright issues. Well, I'm not sure about. Well, look, I will be listening to you guys sing. But I uh, no, no, I've, I, I've got a range of Elvis. It, it won't be me say. either. It'll be just just NASA over here. No, you guys can be in the background doing some do ups. <laughs> do up, do up, yeah, and then this. Okay, uh, now um, we'll get this to this later. But until then, we'll have to speak about um, again occupation. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, you know, we, we've spoken how many times about the. Um, the conviction rate for Palestinians within Israeli military courts, you know, being in 99%, you know, along with other wonderful human rights uh, law-abiding countries like China. Um, <laughs> so recently, um, in fact, uh, only over the weekend, in, two th- in on Nakba Day 2014, so we're, we're three years we uh, commemorated Nakba, only, only just recently, um, the Palestinians, you know, Nakba Day, emotions fled, had approached a checkpoint, in um, uh, in Jerusalem, and they were 70 to 80 metres away. And in a symbolic gesture, I mean, the reality of throwing stones from 70 to 80 metres, they're not going to hit uh, or hurt uh, soldiers in full riot gear and, and uh, tanks and armoured personnel carriers. But um, while that was happening, uh, an Israeli uh, infantryman decided, you know, or in fact, he was an Israeli sniper. Um, he decided, you know, that he was going to shoot uh, some shots towards these protesters. And he, in fact, shot and killed uh, Nadim Nawara, a teenager from Ramallah. Um, And the bullet passed through his chest, killing him almost instantly. Now, the reality is this would have just been another Palestinian, you know, killed at a a riot. You know, he was going to throw Molotov cocktails. And, you know, the soldiers felt at imminent danger for their lives. And they were defending themselves. They were defending themselves. But... But CNN was actually at the protest and had a couple of different cameras. And when when um, uh, Nadim's father, um, and and you know to to his great um, for, from great pain, but also from great uh, refusing to allow the death of his son to to go un, uh, unnoticed. Uh, unnoticed, his father Siam was able to get the footage from CNN and actually put a timeline together. And you can actually see on the internet the shots. The, the sniper, w- under no duress at all, take aim, take a deep breath, squeeze off a trigger, and kill a 17-year-old boy in his prime. Because he can. Because he can. And because he can, and 99% of the time, 
without fear of retribution. Now, um, the, vid- the footage, though, showed the boys protesting 70 or 80 metres away, throwing rocks towards tanks. And they showed this Israeli sniper take aim and kill this young boy. In fact, two. Two kids died that day. Um, but this was the one that the, the footage got a hold of. And he was charged and, in fact, on the weekend was able to plead down his uh, charge to uh, that he admitted that he harmed someone under aggravated circumstances and caused death by negligence. That's not negligence. What are the aggravated circumstances, though? I mean, what are they? You're, you're lying down a long way away. You're not aggravated at all other than you want to go home. Hmm. Well, he's aggravated that you know there's a there's a Palestinian in his sights, you know, and he you know it's a Turkish shoot. Why wouldn't I look? Uh, who knows what he was thinking? But all he had to do, he actually had to read a statement, and he said um, that the the shooting before the shooting, the accused felt no danger and knew there was no justification for the firing. So, I mean, beggars belief that he can be. It's aggravated circumstances, but in in the in the plea bargain, he had to read that he felt no danger. So, you know. The reality is because the Palestinian, uh, the, 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 the person who died is a Palestinian and the guilty party is a Jew, in Israel there is no story. And the, the attorney uh, who was helping the prosecution, Zion Amir, wants everybody to believe that somehow a live round was mixed up with a rubber-coated bullet and that it was an accident. And so we went from manslaughter, as per the original indictment, to causing death by negligence. And, and that's, that's a sad story. When we get to the situation where when Palestinians resist this level of violence, they're deemed to be terrorists. They're deemed to be terrorists in the world, world stage. But in reality, when a Palestinian uh, resists violently uniformed um, people, he, whilst we can never condone violence, and we don't, we, violence is no solution to anything, we, we advocate for BDS, um, Palestinians who exercise their right to um, uh, resist their occupation are doing so by via consensus from internationally recognised laws, UN General Resolution, General Assembly Resolution 33 and 24 of 29 November 1978 says that it reaffirms the legitimacy of the struggles of peoples for independence, territorial integrity, national unity and liberation from colonial and foreign domination and foreign occupation by all available means, particularly armed struggle. The reality is Palestinians resisting Israelis, particularly when they're in uniform, in Palestine, are doing so with, with, within, uh, within the international rights. Now, we the, do not condone violence. The context of violence and resistance is occupation. You cannot talk only about one element of that. Occupation is drop. violence. It is the worst form of terrorism. And hopefully our listeners will join us on Wednesday at 6.30 till 9.30 p.m. at Melbourne's Multicultural Hub, 506 Elizabeth Street in Melbourne, Victoria, for Yusuf's Talk Jerusalem. 50 years of de-arabization of the Holy City. It's free entry at the Blue Room, Melbourne's Multicultural Hub, 506 Elizabeth Street in Melbourne. Starts at 6.30, so we look forward to seeing you there. And we will put information on the podcast link. With this, we've come to the end of this week's episode. Thanks, Nasser and Robert. And we will be back with more news, views, and stories from Palestine. Until then, have a great time and salam. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. You've just been listening to a podcast produced at 3CR Community Radio. 
In 2017, 3CR is Radio for Change, and we need your support to continue to be an independent, radical voice promoting social and political justice and change. We're asking you, our listeners, to donate to the station and keep us going. This year, we need to make $220,000 to keep the station on air, so any amount you can afford makes a big difference. So call us on 039419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for supporting Community Radio.